My thanks especially to all of the young men who led us in worship tonight and will continue to do so. It's a blessing that we take for granted that we have such a deep pool of talent and uh, that we're able to not only allow our young men to lead, but to train them to lead. Uh, you all did a wonderful job, and I, I know that you're going to continue to do a good job. I told Charles Mack earlier today at lunch that I very much appreciated whenever he led singing. And it really has nothing to do with his uh, musical uh, talent or anything like that. I'm not a genius or know anything about that. But uh, I just like Charles. He always looks like he enjoys worshiping, um, which is uh, something we can all do better on, I think. Uh, you're before the throne of God. And uh, you should be joyous. And you say, I am joyous. Well, good. Inform your face. <laughs> we finish up tonight on our Training the Twelve series, speaking of training. Um, and the goal of this series has been to do what we're doing on Sunday nights, which is addressing how Jesus trained the Twelve. And then we step off into a particular topic. So uh, we are ending this series tonight. It's been a five-lesson series. Uh, I probably should say that I think I've gotten more probably than most of you just because I'm, I have to require to study and, and search these things out. So it's been very beneficial to me personally. I hope it has to you as well. Uh, to recap, we started back on April the 12th, and with that series, we talked about the disciples' prayer, and we looked at the background of prayer in the Bible and Jesus' model of prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and also in Luke chapter 11. Then on April 19th, we went to, for a lesson called the doctrine of prayer, which is what does Jesus teach us specifically about God and about us as we pray. And so we basically went through the parable, parables and the principles found in Matthew 7, Matthew 21, and Luke 18. And then uh, on April 26th, we talked about the demonstrated prayer, where I just specifically sought after all the scriptures that talked about Jesus' personal prayer life and what we could learn from what he was demonstrating to the apostles, the why, the who, and the how um, and what that means for us. And then we had a week uh, for Senior Sunday. And then tonight we're discussing the topic of the decided prayer. Uh, and we're going to look specifically, I'm sorry, that was last, last week was the decided prayer. Um, where we looked at why pray. And we said basically it comes down to two things. That Jesus uh, mentioned on the Sermon on the Mount, which is one, the Father sees... And two, the Father hears. And that's why we do it. And so we've got to be uh, better at doing that. And so tonight, we're going to step into the disciplined prayer, how to pray in the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> I know some of you are not hand raisers per se, but I'm going to go ahead and, and do a poll anyway. How many of you used the beads from last week at least one time during this previous week? Okay, great. Many of you have mentioned that, and I hope that it was helpful. I think many times it's not that we don't desire to pray, it's just that we don't get into the habit. And there were some that didn't raise their hands. 
And uh, that's okay, because it kind of helps me make the point tonight. There are a lot of models. If you look at how to pray, you know, Google that, and there's a bazillion different models that we can use that I think are really designed to be sort of training wheels that get us in the right direction, head us toward where we need to go, but they're not perfect. They're not perfect. They're man-made models, and in that way they can be a little frustrating. They can frustrate us even more, which is difficult. So that's the problem with models. That's the problem with beads. Um, You know, you can take it too far. But the goal is to get in that daily habit of meeting with your father and understanding that he wants that relationship with you and doing that consistently. Some of the models uh, that you can look at, there is the ACTS method, which is a good one. Uh, ACTS is an acronym for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. When you pray, you adore God, you confess your sin, you thank God, you make prayers for other people. Wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that um, model in and of itself. There's the hand prayer, which you can't read up there, but uh, it's kind of based on the position of the, the fingers as you pray like this. That, you know, the, the thumb is those closest to you, your family. Uh, the, the index finger is those in authority because they're pointing at you, telling you what to do. The tall finger is your leaders, those uh, in government or positions of power. Uh, the, the ring finger, and I saw two different interpretations. So one is the weak, it's supposedly the weakest finger. And so you pray for the weak, the less fortunate. Um, but then it's also the, the wedding band finger, and so on the, at least on the left hand. And so you pray for your spouse. Either is fine. Uh, and don't suppose that I'm saying there that your spouse is the weaker person. Uh, I'm going to be in trouble there. Uh, and then the last one is the pinky finger, which is the smallest. And so that's praying for yourself. All right. Well, nothing wrong with that. Um, there, there's nothing wrong with any of these models or whatever model you use if it helps you to do what you're supposed to do, and that is to pray. The problem with models is they don't match every person. They don't match every situation. And they don't match every heart. Secondly, they can also encourage us to pray insincerely. You know, we're not praying about the things that are closest to our heart in some of those models. We're sort of forcing ourselves to, okay, i got to pray this way and i got to pray that way. Pray for these people. Um, Again, none of these models are bad. They're just limited. They're They're not a perfect solution. I think the key to prayer is the discipline to decide to pray. Every athlete that becomes successful did so because of a number of consistent decisions in his or her training regimen. Everybody wants the glory of winning the gold, being uh, All-American, uh, you know, getting the big win. Very few have the discipline to get up at 4 a.m. and practice. To go to uh, two-a-days and three-a-days to do the extra hour of weightlifting. All of those small decisions lead to the big successes. As you pray, I think four things help in that discipline. One, be simple and sincere. This is probably where we most fail to phrase. 
fail to pray. We hear people pray such wonderful prayers, particularly in public, and we just don't talk like that. We just can't even approach it. It's like, why try? I'll leave it to the professionals. And Jesus said, listen, the professionals are probably going the wrong direction. They're just praying to be noticed. Jesus said, I want you to pray simply and sincerely. Number two is don't overthink it. You know, don't, I mean, this is something I'm guilty of. I just wind my mind so tight around something that I kind of miss the forest for the trees. But also don't underthink it. Don't approach prayer with a thoughtless demeanor. Number three, as you think about it, then act. You think I should pray for that person? Then pray. Um, When you're talking with somebody, instead of saying, I'll be praying for you, just stop and pray with them. Number four, to be reverent. This is the most, uh, I believe, the most important. Yes, he is our father. He's our holy father. And we need to keep that in mind. So when we, when we go through that, prayer is really not that complicated. And particularly as Jesus taught it, he, he sought, and as I can tell from the study, to uncomplicate it. So then we step into what we're going to, kind of going to be our text tonight, John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. And I'm, I'm going to pull up just one of these verses, John chapter 15, verse 7, which is one of these dangerous texts. If you read it, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what your heart desires and it shall be done for you. John chapter 14, verses 13, 14, verse Tyler read. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Those are dangerous verses. They scare us a little bit. What if I do that? What if I trust that promise and it doesn't happen? Well, the conclusion is Jesus was wrong or a liar. Or I did something wrong. I used the wrong model. I'm not doing it the right way. Or maybe John and... Recorded something wrong. Well, two out of those three conclusions cause a real problem. So the easiest thing to say is, I'm just not doing it right. I don't have enough faith. Well, we gotta, we got to dig down into this. So, first of all, let's understand the context. Imagine the scene, okay? John 14, 15, Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's, he's no longer going to be their direct person to ask questions. And they'd had him for three years. Every time they had a question, they could go to Jesus. Every time they had a problem, they could ask Jesus. Every time they were in a discussion, Jesus was there. Every time there was something that needed to be done that was beyond their ability, we go to the guy with the power. We go to the guy with the authority. Don't take this illustration too far, but I can a little bit relate to this in my current position. Steve and I are working together. He's giving me coaching and training. And, you know, anytime in my office I think about something, I, what about this? All I have to do is walk about 15 feet and go ask him. But the farther along we get in this process, the, the larger the thought grows in my mind. There's going to be a time when he won't be there. 
farther down the road, there's going to be a time when I won't be able to call him. Well, that's an imperfect illustration, I understand. But this is kind of what the apostles were facing. But the guy with all the answers is leaving. So, Jesus is then addressing all of these concerns, all of these fears that the apostles have. What are we going to do? Where are you going? What do you mean you're leaving? All of this. And you look at verse, I'm not going to go read through every single verse of chapter 14. I'm going to point you out to it. I'm going to say, here's the resources that Jesus said. Okay, you don't have me, but here's what I'm leaving you instead. Number one, in chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, he is going to leave them the gift of faith. He's going to leave them uh, what they need, which is the power to believe. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, just notice my Bible over here, so I'll step over. Hebrews chapter 11, we know that faith is something that was required of all people, not only to believe that God exists, but that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Jesus is saying, there's going to come a time when the power of the belief in me, it's not the power of the person believing, it's not the, 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 the size of the faith, right, the mustard seed thing, it's... Who you are believing in. Verses 11 and 12. He says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do whatever, will do what I have been doing. Verses 13 and 14, he says, You're going to have the avenue of prayer. Verse 15 He says, you're going to have the gift of love. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Um, Which gives us another one, the commands. We're going to have not only their specific recollection, but in a few decades, they're going to have it written down for them to recall. But until that time, the apostles would have the gift of, of prophecy and being able to understand to remember all the things that Jesus had taught them. And verses 16 through 18, uh, he promises the Holy Spirit. So we have five promises, faith, prayer, love, the commands, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting that in chapter 16, all of these promises are reiterated. It's like he's saying, don't forget the five. Now, when we then understand that context of what he's saying, it helps us better understand John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. These five things that Jesus is referring to, these are your holy resources, if you will, will give you everything you need to do the job. Now, did those, I guess the big issue is, did those five things just apply to the apostles? <clears throat> Certainly some of the miraculous elements uh, we know from 1 Corinthians 13, the tongues and the prophecy and the healings and all of that, that was going to pass away. The apostles got that, but 
beyond that, it doesn't seem to have passed on. We know it doesn't. True miracles, I mean, honest to goodness, biblical miracles, we don't see those today within church. Does that mean Jesus left us? No. We still have the resources at our disposal. At our disposal, faith, prayer, love, commands, and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, there were some things within John 14 and 15 and 16 that applied just to the apostles. But I think these five we can say, without a doubt, we still have the ability and the resources with us today. Do we have Jesus directly? No. But we do have the resources that he left the apostles, and they are ones that he leaves for us today. So I want to focus specifically on prayer and praying in the Spirit. We know, if you are a good Church of Christer, should know Acts 2.38. <clears throat> but we'll turn there, and because I want to, I want to junction it up with a little less known verse of verse 39. The promise is for you, that would be the apostles, and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And Peter was saying there, baptism and repentance bring two things, the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. And that was not just for them, although maybe... You say the, the Holy Spirit manifested himself a little differently in the first century in that time. But we still receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. He is a helper. He is a counselor. He is an advocate. Jesus said all of this in John chapter 14. And one of the most powerful ways he helps us is in prayer. And the verse was read, but we'll read it again because it's a good verse to remember. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know. We don't know what to pray for, right? You can give me any model you want. Give me some beads. That might work for a time. But there are times when you pray and you don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit intercedes, himself intercedes for us through our wordless through wordless groans and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God intercessory prayer certainly happens as the spirit prays with us how does this work not going to be able to answer that one How does the Spirit intercede for us? That's a mystery. But it doesn't make it any less true if we believe the words of the Bible. I will say that praying in the Holy Spirit, unfortunately, has been abused by some groups of the the Christian religion. To make us think that it, it must be some sort of special stance, some sort of special way of speaking, some sort of special mantra or chant that we must do that proves that we're praying in the Spirit. But actually, I think that's quite the opposite, because all of the 
the proofs that they say, ah, oh, you're, you're praying in the Spirit, those are fleshly things, things that you can see, which by default is different, is actually against spiritual things. Spiritual things are unseen. So praying in the Holy Spirit is not some special kind of style of prayer. I'm going to interpret it this way. It's prayer by a person in whom dwells the Holy Spirit. Some have said, well, I don't know, there's some people that say, well, the Holy Spirit can act, but he can only act, you know, what the Word says. I think those two are different. I think they're different. You look at Romans 8, and what it says the Spirit does, that's not something that the Word does. I'm not saying they're against each other, they're just different. So, praying in the Holy Spirit is not something special, not some sort of magical thing. When Steve does his Holy Spirit class... He uses, I think it's the used to be the slogan from Lowe's, you can do it, he can help, right? We do as much as we can do, and the Spirit does beyond what we are able to do, which I love when I'm thinking about prayer, because it's such a frustration. <clears throat> Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. My goal is uh, to... Try not to make this a Holy Spirit sermon, because one sermon is definitely not enough. But, when we talk about praying in the Spirit, we need to remember that the Spirit is promised to us just as much as the forgiveness of sins is promised to us. That He indwells within us, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, the praise of his glory. Uh, The fact that the Holy Spirit indwells Christians is undeniable. It's it's as much a real promise as uh, everything else that we believe in Scripture. We are expected to pray in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, if you want to turn there. Paul writes, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I believe the Spirit helps us to recall the things for which we should pray and the people for which we should should pray about. So it, it, we're expected to do it. You know, we know the Holy Spirit was promised to all Christians. We're expected to pray uh, in Him, in unison with Him, together with Him. Verse uh, number three, praying in the Holy Spirit, Spirit builds our faith up. Builds our faith up. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying... In the Holy Spirit. So, because some people have misused the Holy Spirit, our reaction has been to just kind of not acknowledge Him at all. And that, to me, is the worst thing to do in the understanding of prayer. Because then we're back to what the apostles. What are we going to do? You want us to do this by ourselves? Fortunately, we don't have to. All right. So then, when we come to that, we, we come to our last point here. Jesus wanted his followers to pray. 
First of all, they wanted him to pray in his name. And John 14, 13 and 14 tells us that very specifically. Now, is that a rote pattern where if you don't say in Jesus' name, amen? You know, but I think in some way a prayer should invoke the name of Christ. That's what he told us to do. Uh, whether that comes at the beginning, the middle, the end, but some way and somehow in his name. Number two, with the Spirit. We've already talked about that at length, but Romans eight twenty six and 27, we need to understand that just because we feel inadequate to prayer doesn't mean that the prayer is not being affected, that it's not being, I like to think that the Holy Spirit is kind of doing some sort of, uh, you know, like Google Translate. It takes our language and translates it into that spiritual uh, understanding. Again, I want to step too much in that area because it gets into speculation real quick. Number three, we need to pray continually. Ephesians six eighteen through 20. Ephesians six eighteen through 20, Paul writes, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, which is one that's super frustrating because we can't even imagine that that's possible. Um, think about it like this. I, if you're a texter, you probably have an ongoing texting relationship with your spouse. Okay. Christy and I have an ongoing conversation. And sometimes it's just one word that needs to be said. Sometimes it's many words. But it's always ongoing. Um, and I think that's, if we will think about it, a little bit like that, again, imperfect illustration, but we don't give up on it. When we feel like we can't pray, then we stop praying. When we stop praying, we cease the conversation. Sometimes you text people and they just don't text back. You just text, 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 and you don't hear a response. Well, that can be frustrating. So don't give up on the conversation. And that was the goal of the beads, was to help you re-enter that conversation. Number four, letter D, I guess, by faith, you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith. There is a level of trust and belief that must occur in prayer. And finally, we're to pray in ministry. And I just, this one stood out to me from the book of James, so I'll read it. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray for all the doctors and the nurses who are there. No, that's not what it says. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. and The Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Boy, I mean, if you're a person in ministry, and I mean full-time or volunteer, it's easy to focus on just doing your own ability. I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard, but there is an, what James is saying there is there is a, a deep connection to prayer that needs to be understood. That it's powerful and effective and that we miss out on doing real ministry when we're so focused on our own ability. If we forget that God is the one who truly ministers through us, of course, but prayer is what makes that connection. So that's all I have for you tonight. Um, I, I, want, I hope that it's been helpful to you. 
um, I want to encourage you to plug into the power of prayer. The power of prayer comes with the discipline of praying in the Spirit. I'll lead you with uh, two final thoughts. We said at the beginning that the the prayer in the Old Testament was primarily priest-led and temple-centered. If you're a Christian and the Spirit dwells within you, then the same is true today. Prayer is still priest-led. Peter said, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And number two, prayer is still temple-centered. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul talking about sexual immorality, he says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't happen in the physical way it did with the Jews under that covenant at that time. But prayer is still priest-led and temple-centered if we are praying in the Holy Spirit. And then this final quote, it is only the Spirit of God who can enable us to do it aright. How speedily we are deceived into resting in the form while the power is wanting. Our early training... Our early training, the teaching of the church, the influence of habit, the stirring of the emotions, how easily these lead to prayer, which has no spiritual power and avails but little. Andrew Murray said that. I think it was just spot on. I think the key to it is deciding, being disciplined enough to pray, and praying with the help of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work within that. I do hope this series has been helpful for you. And I want to invite, as we always do at the end of every lesson, uh, you who have not put on Christ to know Christ, to come to put him on and to begin a relationship with him that's an ongoing conversation. And if that conversation has ceased, it's been a long time since you and God have talked. Uh, Tonight would be a good night to start. And if you can come forward, we can help you with that. We'd love to. Whatever your need, please come as we stand and sing.